Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. He can only be stopped. The growing menace of communism arouses the House of Representatives Un-American Activities Committee. Among the well-informed witnesses testifying is J. Edgar Hoover, head of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Mr. Hoover speaks with authority on the subject. The Communist Party of the United States is a fifth column if there ever was one. It is far better organized than were the Nazis in occupied countries prior to their capitulation. They are seeking to weaken America just as they did in their era of, of obstruction when they were aligned with the Nazis. Their goal is the overthrow of our government. There is no doubt as to where a real communist loyalty rests. Their allegiance is to Russia, not the United States. Communism in reality is not a political party. It is a way of life, an evil and malignant way of life. It reveals a condition akin to disease that spreads like an epidemic. And like an epidemic, a quarantine is necessary to keep it from infecting this nation. And the reason I believe we are going to win is that we have an unprecedented grassroots movement from coast to coast of millions of people. The reason that we are going to win is that we are putting together an unprecedented, multi-generational, multi-racial political movement. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Uh, this is Michael. I'm here today, of course. And uh, let me say again, this is the Michael Savage School of Advanced Political Science. Everyone gets an A in this class. My favorite professor didn't grade people. He gave everyone an A so you could actually listen to him and learn. He was my genetics professor. He was the chairman of the department. We thought he was silly and old and a doddering guy. But as a result of not having test pressure, we all learned a lot more. And that's what I hope you do on this program. A guy like Bernie Sanders is a con man from the get-go, and I've told you that. I know the type. I ran from New York to get away from the Bernie Sanders types. They're the worst sort, the worst type. In every people, there's a worst type. He's the worst type of my people. But having said that, millions of people are gulled by him. Millions of people are deceived by him. And so I have to spend some time today to try to elucidate who this man actually is. It's been said that socialism enters through a ballot, while communism enters through a bullet. But make no mistake about it, while the nice old seltzer man from New York looks like a nice old seltzer man from New York who only wants fairness and clean water, and uh, everyone should be happy. That's not what he wants. What he wants is absolute power and a totalitarian way of life. He wants communism. If you look at socialism and communism, the twin sisters of evil, you will find that they're one and the same. One is the more peaceful approach. The other is the more violent approach. And wherever communism has appeared, millions of people have died. So that's the opening. I mean, we're going to talk about the Bolshevik uh, winning in New Hampshire, um, a nation that has gone from uh, live free or die to live like me or cry under Bernie Sanders. But what does democratic socialism really mean? Many of you are children and uh, naive, and you really think there's a thing called democratic socialism. It, there's no such thing. Either it's socialism or it's not socialism. It's like it's either cancer or not cancer. Now, there are varieties of cancer, and there are stages of cancer. Let's put it to you that way. As you well know, there's stages one, two, three, and four in cancer. Maybe there are others. I'm not an oncologist. Bernie Sanders is a stage two cancer on the uh, political uh, landscape. He is a clear Bolshevik. Now, what is a Bolshevik? Go back to the Bolshevik Revolution of 1917 in Russia, and you see that Bolshevik means a member, a person who was a Bolshevik, was a member of the majority faction of the Russian Social Democratic Party, 
Listen to those words. The Russian Social Democratic Party, which renamed itself the Communist Party after seizing power in the October Revolution of 1917. So you say, well, why am I getting so worked up over him? Look, first of all, he got more votes the last time around in New, in New Hampshire. I call it New Hampshire because that's part of the reason he's popular there. It is in many ways one of the drug uh, uh, locusts. I say one of the locuses of uh, drug addiction in America is New Hampshire. Everyone knows that. There's a terrible opioid crisis in New Hampshire because there's a lot of poverty in New Hampshire. And poverty breeds desperation. Poverty breeds anger. Poverty breeds desperation in the voter who thinks that somebody screwed him, that his downtrodden lifestyle is a result of somebody else. And then into that enters a demagogue like the old Seltzer man, uh, Bernie Sanders. So I told you what the Bolsheviks are uh, in, uh, in Russia. And um, if you look at the Bolshevik Revolution, I want to go back to the beginning. It was founded by uh, Vladimir Lenin, you may have heard his name, and Alexander Bogdanov. And they split from the more liberal Menshevik faction of the Marxist Russian Social Democrat Labor Party, which was a revolutionary socialist political party formed in 1898 at its second party congress in 1903. What happened then? After forming their own party in 1912, the Bolsheviks took power in Russia in November 1917. Listen to this next line. Overthrowing the liberal provisional government of Kerensky and became the only ruling party in the subsequent Soviet Russia and its successor regime, the Soviet Union. They considered themselves the leaders of the revolutionary working class of Russia. And their beliefs and practices were often referred to as Bolshevism. You should study Kerensky, the liberal provisional government that was running Russia before the Bolsheviks took power. And you could see what could happen in any country. Now, you may say it can't happen here. People are too fat and happy. You may be right. It can't happen here now. But the demographic shift in America, which is why Obama flooded America with third world dummies, is to make sure it could happen here. You must understand that Obama, like Sanders, is a lifetime revolutionary socialist slash communist. The only thing that's changed is that both of them become uh, wealthy. Sanders on a minor scale and Obama on a major scale. And uh, now that things have changed, you don't hear Obama screaming for the revolution anymore, do you? Now that he has the $100 million book deal, the $100 million Netflix deal, now that he... Uh, he had three mansions before he left office. No one asked any questions. Where was Jake Tapper then? Who's behind was he licking at that time? Pardon me, Jake. You, you know, it's because of guys like Jake Tapper that a bum like Bernie Sanders could get this far. It's because of guys like Wolf Blitzer that Obama could get away with virtual murder during eight years of a terror tactic in this nation. So here we are. You say, well, it can't happen here. Trump's going to win by a landslide. We hope so. But let's say Trump wins by a landslide and we have another eight good years of Donald Trump. It's a long time from now. Remember that. But let's say that happens and Trump is healthy for those years. I hope he is with the diet he's eating. I don't know, man. I don't know. No one tells him a thing. I had the hot dogs on Air Force One. I never eat hot dogs. I had ice cream with him in Mar-a-Lago. I don't eat ice cream. Then I had hot dogs on the airplane with him. I don't eat hot dogs. Maybe that's what happened to me. I don't know. Maybe it was the ice cream and the hot dogs. No, I'm joking. He could be one of those people I call a nutritional rogue, which means no matter what he eats, he's going to live to a ripe old age. He's one of those survivors. There are people like that. Most are not like that. You're probably not like that. And he may be one of those very strong genetic individuals, and I hope he is. So let's say he, he lives out the whole eight years of his next term, God willing, and we have a prosperous eight years and relative world peace. What happens then? He can't run again. What happens then is the millions of illegal aliens and the hundreds of millions or the, or rather the tens of millions of disaffected, youthful, brainwashed Americans are seething under the surface, waiting for the revolution. And on top of them, 
Sanders will be gone by then. He's not a, He's not going to be around that much longer. There's no way a man could have a heart attack and two stents and keep up what he's doing for very long. No way. I'm sorry. It would, de- it would defy, by the way, all medical knowledge for a man of his age, of his weak stature, his weak genetics, and to have had a heart attack and go on like he goes on, barnstorming through America, waving his arms and screaming with such hatred, and to live much longer. It's almost impossible to perceive, incidentally. He, be, he may be the first if he does. But uh, underneath him, beneath him, is a girl he trained while she was still working for his campaign. That girl is a stone-hearted racist. That girl hates white people. That girl thinks her race is superior to all those on the planet. And her name is Occasional Cortex. That, my friends, is what makes up for the Red Brigades. That, my friends, is what the Khmer Rouge was made up of. If you want to study what Occasional Cortex will do to this country, look no further uh, than the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. That is who she is. I'm Michael Savage. Again, this is the Michael Savage School of Advanced Political Science, where everyone gets an A. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Okay, you know I'm a car guy. You know I've had a Hellcat. And with the ever-increasing numbers of cars like Dodge, BMW, and Volkswagen, and models like the Hellcat, X3, and Jetta, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. We all know that. I'm a car guy, and I'm telling you why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while a counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com right in your home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts in a chain store or new car dealership when you could do it at home on your own computer? Now, you may not know this, but chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and reliably low they are. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Does not require this. You could just do it yourself. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet sets. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. But best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write SAVAGE in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. That's S-A-V-A-G-E. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Don't stand online in an auto parts store and wait for the hostile clerk to get back to you. Go to rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. Rock auto. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Communism in reality is not a political party. It is a way of life, an evil and malignant way of life. It reveals a condition akin to disease that spreads like an epidemic. And like an epidemic, a quarantine is necessary to keep it from infecting this nation. Now, I realize many of you liberals listening to the show are laughing because you think that J. Edgar Hoover was uh, defamed and shown to be a clown. He wore dresses and all that. He actually was a great FBI director. And he did keep communism from our doorstep. 
And we did have a UAC, which we need to bring back in America. I would, I would volunteer to run that for Donald Trump if he wins a second term. We absolutely need another UAC in this country to save this country. Now, that's one of the most dreaded things I could ever say on this show. What was UAC, the House of Un-American Activities Committee? Now, all we hear about from Hollywood is that there was a group called the Hollywood Ten who was unfairly picked on. Many of them lost their ability to work in Hollywood. There was a famous movie about it with Zero Mostel, and he was an out-of-luck writer who got caught being affiliated with the Communist Party, and it shows him jumping out of a window. Again, always sympathetic to the communists. That's the way Hollywood has been for a very long time. Well, if you want to invest some time in actually studying HUAC and studying what America really was like during the, quote, Red Scare, there was a lot to be scared about from the Reds. They had penetrated academia. They had penetrated Hollywood. They had penetrated government. How do I know that? Is it just rhetoric? Am I just being a volatile talk show host? Back in the 90s, there was a release of a book called the Venona Papers, V-E-N-O-N-A. The Venona Papers were transcripts from Russia of ex-Soviets who divulged the exact names of the communists in America who had penetrated those areas of this society. They were working directly and indirectly for Russia at that time, which was Soviet Russia, to undermine the United States of America. The Venona Papers, in other words, confirmed that Senator McCarthy was 100% right and that we needed a UAC and they needed to root out the subversives in the United States of America. Is there anyone listening to this show who would like to argue with me about whether or not we should bring back UAC? Because I think we should bring back UAC. And I've said so kind of comically over the years on this show. But now that I see that a, a bum, a lying bum like Bernie Sanders, and I can read right through him, I know the type. Remember, I ran from New York to get away from the Bernie Sanders of New York. That type disgusted me. I was a social worker. I was a poor social worker, and I saw this type of bum. I knew who they are. I can, I can literally smell them from a mile away. Bernie Sanders is a con man from the top to the bottom, and he's found millions of stupid people who believe in his lies. But behind him are far more dangerous people like occasional cortex and people we haven't even heard of. They are the ones if ever one of their minions becomes powerful, who would introduce the terror tactics of the Khmer Rouge in the United States of America. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but you know, this is what happens in a seminar. This is what happens in a, a graduate program. This is what happens not in a, in a uh, elementary school or junior high school level of talk radio, but in a graduate school course, we have to think backwards, look backwards, think backwards, and then we have to think forward and look forward. And I'm telling you, the genesis of Bernie Sanders and occasional cortex has been seen before. In Cambodia, the Khmer Rouge. In Russia, in Germany, the Red Brigades. Just look up the Red Brigades and you'll know who they are. This old Seltzer man is the most dangerous man in American political history. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Dr. Zhivago, produced by uh, Carlo Ponti. One of the great films of all time, one of the highest grossing films of all time. My has Hollywood fallen. Why has the fallen? Now, this, this uh, movie with Omar Sharif and Julie Christie is based on a novel, Dr. Zhivago, by Boris Pasternak. It was banned in Russia for many, many years. In the Soviet Union, they couldn't even see this movie because it talks about how people were mistreated uh, during the Soviet era. And uh, rather than summarize for you all the scenes in it, I will give you one scene that has stuck with me forever. It came out in the, in the 60s, I think, in 1969 and 1965. And I was a young guy, young teacher. I didn't have any money. But um, I remember seeing the movie, and something stuck with me forever. It was that after the revolution... Zhivago goes back to the family house, I believe, in Moscow. Uh, Yuri, Yuri returns to his wife, Tonya, son, Sasha, and Alexander, whose house in Moscow 
has been divided into tenements by the new Soviet government. That's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. Now, we have a small version of a Soviet government already operational in America. It came to life during the Kennedy administration. It flowered during the Johnson administration. It flowered greatly during the civil rights movement. And I'll give you all of the lineage of all of this. And uh, you will see that we have the tentacles of a Soviet system already in place in this government. Now, I could throw the name Trump out right now because you could say he was the antithesis to this growing octopus of socialism. And he was, which is why the deep state has and is still trying to destroy him. You must understand that over a 50-year period, a government becomes very entrenched in all aspects of itself. And all aspects of itself reflect the socialism of this government that has been here for a long time. And they didn't want an outsider to come along. They didn't want a businessman. They wanted a politician from a party who was a well-known factor who could be controlled. And along comes this brash New York businessman, Donald Trump, who was a naked capitalist and a rogue to them, and they don't know what to do with him. So they try to smear him for years. It blows up in their face. Then they get their stooge henchmen, Pelosi, Schiff, and the other characters uh, who still try to destroy him because they do want the very same uh, tentacles to have their continuous grip upon America. Now, don't get me wrong. There are many aspects of the Trump administration that are big government. You think I'm naive? You're mistaken. The budget is out of control. It's very much like a socialist government in terms of the budget. I remember I criticized Bush in the second term or the second half of his administration. And I said, wait a minute now. This, gov- this government under, under Bush is very much like a, a socialist government with the crazy spending. But what Bush did in spending is, is child's play compared to what uh, Trump's administration is doing. They're spending like crazy. Now, I know we don't care because compared to the other side, we're better off, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it all, and we are. I know we are. Obviously, when you look at the other side, anything is better than the other side. But on the other hand, if the man is a fiscal conservative, he's got to start being fiscally conservative. So, again, let's get back to what I'm talking about. Bernie the Bolshevik takes New Hampshire. Hampshire. Now, he wins with 151,000 votes. In the past, he won uh, 70,000. Last, uh, last night, he won by 70,000. Four years ago, the communists won by 150,000. It's true there were more people in the, uh, in the race last night, so it's a very hard analysis to make. But there is a trend that you must not ignore. And the trend may not be evident to many of you, but there is a trend in America towards uh, socialism. Whether we want to hear it or don't want to hear it is irrelevant. There is a trend towards it, whatever the reasons may be. And where did this socialism begin? It began in the early 19th century with utopian communities such as the Shakers, and the activist visionary Josiah Warren and intentional communities inspired by Charles Fourier. And then in 1877, labor activists. Labor activists, and I'm talking about now in America, immigrants basically from British, German, or Jewish backgrounds founded the Socialist Labor Party in 1877. 1901, the Socialist Party is founded in America. Under Socialist Party of America, presidential candidate Eugene V. Debs uh, led a great opposition to World War I and led the government into a repression collectively known as the First Red Scare. Now, pay attention to the first socialist presidential candidate, Eugene V. Debs. When I grew up in New York, there was a radio station in New York City called the EVB. It may still be on the air, and it was largely an ethnic station. W-E-V-B. I remember to this day, I used to joke about it. They had shows in different languages, including Yiddish. And we used to, my friends and I would listen to it just to mock it. It was so old world and funny. W-E-V-B. And I remember there was jingles like uh, the Joe and Paul song. Joe and Paul, Joe and Paul. I'm just singing a little tune for, I can remember the jingles to this day. 
You know, I got to have fun in radio. Is that, did you hear my laugh? That's a belly laugh. It's a real laugh. It's a, there's a lot of fake laugh in radio. People fake it like they do uh, fake orgasms. A lot of people fake laughter in radio in order to make you think they're enjoying themselves when they're schwitzing and dying up here. I actually just enjoyed myself. So going back again to what I'm talking about. So in the 50s, well, I'm getting up to the 20s. There's another big name to remember. In the 20s, the Socialist Party declines. But they ran Norman Thomas for president six times in the 20s and 30s. You may remember the name Norman Thomas, right? In the 30s, suddenly the Communist Party USA takes importance in labor and racial struggles. And it suffers a schism which converged in the Trotskyist Socialist Workers Party. It's interesting to me that I think that's where Sanders comes in. He's sort of a Trotskyite, by the way. In the 50s, McCarthy comes along, and with UAC and investigations of Hollywood, academia, and government, socialism runs and hides under the rocks. In the 60s, now remember the 60s, you had a lot of radicalization in America, brought about by the new left and other social struggles and revolts. And uh, Michael Harrington, another name to remember, and other socialists, were actually called to work for the Kennedy administration and then the Johnson administration's so-called war on poverty and so-called great society. And socialists at that time also were drawn into and played key roles in the civil rights movement. Now, the 70s come along and you have revolutionary uh, situations in America characterized by black power, allegedly in opposition to the Vietnam War, and you have groups like the Weather Underground uh, appearing, which conduct a campaign of bombings and killings. In San Francisco, we now have a DA whose mother was a member of the Weather Underground to show you how far they have come. Pay, pay attention to the moving parts here. George Soros is funding all of these Weather Underground types in DA races across America. Remember, the head of the snake, the ACLU, Remember the other head of the other serpent, George Soros, funding groups like these. 1982, the Democratic Socialist of America is formed after a merger between the Democratic Socialist Organizing Committee and the New American Movement. And then suddenly in the 80s, anarchists become visible uh, as a result of their activities. And so now we move up to 08, the DSA, What's the DSA? The Democratic Socialists of America. There was a party. There is a party. Supports who? Barack Obama. Did you know this? Bernie Sanders is the new candidate of the Democratic Socialists of America. He has revived the lineage of this toxic socialist movement and has brought it into the mainstream in this presidential election. And now you know the rest of the story. Again, this is Michael Savage, where I'm running the School of Advanced Political Science, where everyone gets an A. I'm not asking you to remember all those names because it's impossible to do so. All you have to remember is that Bernie Sanders did not appear out of nowhere. Bernie Sanders is the most current in a long line of revolutionaries in American politics. It is a growing movement in America. Now, if he should get the nomination, and yesterday I predicted he's not going to cross the finish line, and I guess I should give you a summary of that podcast now. I mean, you could pick it up on Michael Savage's podcast, which is probably one of the most important podcasts in the world right now. Whether you want to accept it or not is almost irrelevant to me. All I know is I produce quality products. Whether you accept it or not or buy them or not is up to you, not up to me. I can only produce the fine product. It's up to you to consume it. Yesterday's podcast has several elements in it, which includes my prediction that Bernie Sanders will not cross the finish line. Now, why did I say that? Now, I don't mean the finish line of uh, the, uh, the campaign. He will probably finish the campaign. He's, writ- he- he's got such an animus in him that the heart attack will not stop him. The hatred for America, the hatred for the white man, He is so strong in Bernie Sanders that it literally impels him through all of his infirmities. 
So we now look at what he's doing. And why do I say he won't cross the finish line? Because the power structure that runs the Democrat Party is virtually no different than the power structure that runs the Republican Party. At the end of the line, it's all run by the banks and the financial institutions. They run the politics in America. And that's how they've kept the country going all these years. There's nothing wrong with that. But they lead us to believe there's a huge difference between the two parties, when in fact, since 1994, I I, I truly yours, Michael Savage, have been saying that we have a Democrat party or or, or a Republicrat party. It's a one party system playing three card Monty. The only change has been Donald Trump in that two party uh, system and three card Monty. So, okay, so what I'm saying is this establishment, the Goldman Sachs, great company, by the way, the investment banks, the Wall Street banks that run America and run the world, they're never going to let this tuna fish stained bum from Union Square on a soapbox get to the finish line. Now, It's an ominous statement in some ways, but just as the power structure prevented him from winning last time and gave it to Hillary instead, they're going to do it again. And if you watch movies, as I do, I mean, you don't have to be a genius to know what I'm saying. You don't have to be a genius to put two and two together. If he becomes a real threat, I suggest you watch The Irishman or The Godfather. I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Well, that about wraps up hour number one, and I hope you've enjoyed my history of socialism uh, in reference to Bernie the Bolshevik taking No Hampshire. And we'll talk more about communism, why I believe we need HUAC to be returned to the United States of America during Donald Trump's second administration. I, I, I hope that quote goes out far and wide. Crazy Michael Savage says you actually be brought back in Trump during Trump's second term. God, make my day. Let people start talking about what the House of Un-American Activities Committee was and how right they were, because I'm going to do it in the next hour and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book, see the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Calling the House Un-American Activities Committee to order, Chairman J. Parnell Thomas of New Jersey opens an inquiry into possible communist penetration of the Hollywood film industry. The committee is seeking to determine if Red Party members have reached the screen with subversive propaganda. Mr. Thomas takes an impartial stand in his opening talk. I want to emphasize at the outset of these hearings that the fact that the Committee on Un-American Activities is investigating alleged communist influence and infiltration in the moving picture industry must not be considered or interpreted as an attack on the industry itself, nor should our investigation be interpreted as an attack on the majority of persons associated with this great industry. I have every confidence that the vast majority of movie workers are patriotic and loyal Americans. A long list of prominent motion picture witnesses appear before the committee. Speaking for the films, Eric Johnston, president of the Motion Picture Association, talks frankly concerning the attitude of the producers. We're accused of having communists and communist sympathizers in our employ. Undoubtedly, there are such persons in Hollywood, as you will find elsewhere in America. But we neither shield nor defend them. We want them exposed. We're not responsible for the political or economic ideas of any individual, but we are responsible for what goes on the screen. We guard that with great care. 
If communists have attempted to inject their propaganda into the motion picture, they have failed miserably. We will never permit them to succeed. Well, that was then. This is now. That was 1947. The Reds have succeeded beyond their wildest imagination. Uh, All of Hollywood is given towards Marxism in one way or another, socialism, anarchism. Most of them are hardcore Trotskyites and don't even know it. They're stooges, they're puppets, they're fools, they're tools. Welcome to the Savage Nation. And we're talking about the victory of the naked Bolshevik in the primary in New Hampshire. Bernie the Bolshevik takes New Hampshire. I call it Hampshire for a good reason. Now you say, eh, it's not like that, and he's not really a communist. He's just a Democrat socialist, and he's not that frightening. That's because you don't know the history of communism. You don't want to spend the time to study the differentials between so-called democratic socialism and hardcore Trotskyism. But uh, you can study it. In the last hour, I gave a wonderful monologue on the subject and traced the uh, lineage and history of Bernie Sanders all the way back to the beginning of the utopian communities in the early 19th century, such as the Shakers, and brought you all the way up to Barack Obama, who was backed by the Democratic Socialists of America in 08, and Bernie Sanders, who has been credited with reviving the American socialist movement by bringing it into the mainstream public view for the 2020 United States presidential election. If you care to comment on these subjects, the phone number is 855-400-7282. Is that my number? Yeah, 855-400-SAVAGE. And I'll take my first call right now out of Las Vegas. Michael, welcome to the program. What's your topic, please? I just kept getting nervous. You know, uh, Blankfein, Chris Matthews, uh, Bloomberg, they got to think that this guy might actually have a chance of winning with this army of uh, millennials, you know, that can't be deterred. Yes, that's right. That Why do you think I'm doing the show? Because I don't dismiss this tuna fish stain bum. No, he's very dangerous. He is a neo-Bolshevik. And this, this mob, this AOC uh, millennial mob, they're like a mob of wild animals. They cannot... Yeah, they are the people who would put you and I into a war camp as sure as I'm sitting here. Uh, I, I've studied the Khmer Rouge. I have studied the Red Brigades. I know who they are. They are vicious. They have no soul. They have no heart. All they have is a desire to take from others out of sheer jealousy and racism. And this generation is very easily mobilized by social media. Yes, and this generation is, is amoral. It's an amoral generation that is capable of the worst that humanity has ever seen. Well, to paraphrase James Baldwin, these lefties have cast their bread upon the waters for 60 years, and now it is returning to them poison. What you're saying is the leaders, the Democratic leaders, are suddenly panicking over what they have been playing with because, uh, you know, you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind is another way to put it. They thought it was a game they were playing, the Chris Matthews types. Uh, They're scared. I saw Wolf Blitzer last night and that other clown on the stage with him. Uh, Jake Tapper. I saw they were almost terrified of what they had created. They never thought this Frankenstein who they were feeding uh, would ever grow into the full-blown monster that has emerged last night. But they've seen nothing yet, Michael. I think you agree with me. Because behind the old seltzer man is a vicious group of millennials who are fundamentally racists and amoral. Thank you for the call. James in San Jose, welcome to the Savage Nation topic, please. Uh, yes, Dr. Savage. I'm talking about Bernie Sanders, and I'm a 20-year-old guy, and he's not selling with a lot of guys I know down here. I'm one of those millennials. That you're from- yeah, but you're a guy. You sound like you actually know what's going on. You know that most of the people around you don't know what's going on. Wouldn't that be a, a fair assessment? Oh, 100%, Dr. Savage. I go to community college out here, and it's so sad. I listen to people, and they're talking about how white people are evil and how we're we don't deserve to be around them and it's, it's awful right now this has come from the communist movement it's been promoted by bernie sanders and occasional cortex it is fostered by the hatred within the black uh, community towards white people and it is going to metastasize into a full-blown racial war if they are not stopped And the only target that is permitted to be picked on 
is the white heterosexual male. You, my friend, are the new target in America. You are the new target in America, and you know it. So you may think that it's not resonating, but you're just telling me it is in a way, aren't you? Yes, sir. It's very sad. I'm sure that your teachers and professors uh, agree with these communists, don't they? Oh, 100%. I remember my English class last semester, one of the girls got up and she was talking about, um, we were reading a book, Black Like Me. I don't know if you've heard of it, Dr. Savage. But we were reading the book, and they were talking about how racist the white people were back a couple, like about 100 years ago or so. And they were comparing it to now as if nothing's changed. Now, who said nothing's changed? The professor made it sound like nothing had changed at all. Well, the professor is a low-life, you know, low-ticket low, low uh, bum. That's why he's teaching. You know, there's an old saying, those who can do and those who can't teach. And uh, you usually get that type in the community colleges. They're all jealous losers. And what they do is promote hatred. And now uh, they can no longer pick on anyone except the white heterosexual Christian male. And I'm telling you, as I sit here, you have to speak out and you have to stand up no matter what it costs you. Because other, well, I, I wouldn't say put it on yourself. Just be aware and be very sensitive to this uh, raging racism that's raging underneath the surface, especially in the community colleges. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't limit itself to the community colleges. As I said to you, it's time to bring back UAC. I would, I would offer to work for Donald Trump for $1 after he wins in 2020 to uh, head up the new UAC committee, no matter what it may cost me, no matter what target it makes of me. Maybe that's what the woman meant in the hospital, the black woman. I'm trying to think what she meant now that I'm actually drifting into this subject. Give me a second to think about this. I'm in the hospital, and um, a black woman comes up to me. I told you this before. She was not a nurse. She was at the front desk in the ER room, and she came back to ask me about some paperwork. And we started to talk, and she asked me what I do, and I told her. She didn't know who I was in radio. She listened very intently. I looked very deeply into her eyes. She looked into my eyes, and I said to her, where are you from in Africa? I said, are you from Western Africa? And she said, no, I'm from Northern Africa, more like in Egypt. I think she was saying the Sudan. I'm not sure. And I knew immediately what she was saying, and she looked at me very carefully, and she said, you've got nothing to worry about. Your work on this earth is not finished. Now, this was not a doctor. This was not a nurse. This was a spirit who either sought or was given a job in a hospital and has a kind heart and a very deep insight into people and patients. And she greatly encouraged me to come back from the brink and continue what I had been doing. And every day I wake up and I say, what did that woman mean? What did she mean, Michael Savage, your work is not finished yet? What am I actually going to do other than what I am doing? Well, I'm doing a daily radio show. Uh, I'll probably do one more book. I know you're saying you've said that before. All right, I've said it before. I may do one more book. And uh, that's not enough. That's not enough. What if my fate is to run UAC for Donald Trump? in 2020. Now, I don't suggest it to anyone because it, it could destroy, weaken his chances in some ways, not destroy it all. But I don't want him associated with that thought. It's me talking, not him. I never discussed this with him. I don't even know if he'd be receptive to it. My suggestion is the liberals around them would never permit this to happen. But that doesn't mean that I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's a fabulous idea, and I think it's long overdue that the House of Un-American Activities Committee has not been dusted off and revised, because if you look at Hollywood, for example, and look at these people and what kind of filth they have been producing, if you look at the sewer pipe that is now known as Hollywood, where not one movie is made, well, I wouldn't say not one, the 90th percentile are filled with violence and perversion and pornography, if that's not an example of subversion, I'd like to know what is. Now, combine that with the uh, wholesale selling of marijuana as wholesome, where a good percentage of the youthful gener youth generation is stoned out of their minds most of the time, and you have a toxic cocktail 
that is being led by occasional Cortex and her band of racist robots. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. We can't expect the American people to jump from capitalism to communism, but we can assist their elected leaders in giving them small doses of socialism until they wake up one day to find that they have communism, unquote, Nikita Khrushchev. And now along comes the nice Jewish seltzer man from New York, the tussled uncle, the grandfatherly figure, peddling an age-old lie that he's just selling fairness and clean water and clean air. But he really isn't. What he's selling is totalitarianism, a top-down government that tells you what to do from cradle to grave. The yoke of communism is what old Bernie is selling. And yet there are millions of deluded people who do not know the history of socialism, nor the history of communism, nor the con man Sanders and what he actually is. We have one right now from Spokane who likes Bernie Sanders, and I'm going to give him his time on the air. Bill, welcome to the program. Say your piece. Go ahead, please. Well, uh, your call screener got it wrong. I don't like Bernie Sanders. I called in to say that a lot of my friends... Oh, I'm, I'm okay. I thought we were going to have a good argument, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, it worries me because, I mean, these guys are well-off, well-educated. We're in our mid-60s. Some are retired. And uh, the bottom line is uh, I was having a discussion with them the other day, and they actually hate Trump. So much that they've told me to my face that they would vote for Bernie Sanders. Oh, what what do they expect to happen if, if uh, Bernie the communist wins? You know, they, they they seem to brush it away and go, well, he can't do so much. And blah. so they're saying it's it would be a protest vote against Trump. Is that it? Just to vote for him out of spite? Yeah, yeah, that's it. They just hate Trump, man. It's the whole litany. He's a liar. He's this. He's that. You know, and it, it, I, I just don't. So they, they don't like the country the way it is. The the uh, fact that there's almost anyone who wants a job has a job. The low unemployment doesn't impress them. Nothing matters to them. They just hate him. You know, I've known most of these guys all my life, and they they do like the country. This is what I can't get my head around. Why? So what is it about Trump that they don't like? Tell me what they don't like, please. They they don't like his style. Basically, is what it boils down. So they don't like the brash New Yorker. Is what it comes down to. I'm sorry? They don't like the brash New Yorker part of him. That, and they just think he's a con man, a liar. Uh, They basically are drinking the Kool-Aid they hear every day on the CNN and MSNBCs of the world. You know, it's crazy. Well, so you say there's a little warning on the horizon. Yeah, I I do. Uh, And, you know, their wives are definitely all in, too. And I think that's where a lot of it stems from, that they just... Oh, yeah, 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 the bed, the bedmate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why are the women so easily taken in by lies? What is it about that? How is it women are so easily taken in by this old con man, uh, Bernie Sanders? I, 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 I don't know. I, I mean, you think a woman would look right through him and know what he is? He's the kind of finagler who would try to, who would try to screw his best friend's wife. We had that in San Francisco uh, from a former mayor. Uh, no one seems to care about that anymore. So, you know, many of the of the of the underpinnings of our morality in America are gone. And I think that explains how a man like this could get so far. There is no morality in America. This is a post-moral America, don't you think? And, and, and of course, they're ignorant of history. I don't have to repeat Santayana. Those who do not know the history are condemned to repeat it. But maybe I'll repeat Santayana. Those who do not know the history are condemned to repeat it. And apparently most Americans uh, don't know anything. Dumb. Well, that's just dumb, dumb, dumb as a doorpost. You know, again, I repeat Mencken, who said no one ever went broke underestimating the intelligence of the American people. And when you see a con man like Bernie Sanders, who's been a slacker and a bum his whole life, getting this far on such old rhetoric, Mencken was right. Never underestimate the intelligence of the American people. Never. Uh, Because if a guy like that could get this far peddling socialism and communism anything is possible all right we have diverse mediocrity on display in new hampshire and how we've gone from einstein to weinstein in one generation may explain it when i come back a very special guest on communism in new hampshire 
Michael Savage, a host like no other. And the reason I believe we are going to win is that we have an unprecedented grassroots movement from coast to coast of millions of people. The reason that we are going to win is that we are putting together an unprecedented multi-generational, multi-racial... Shut up, you con man, you. He is the most detestable of all the candidates because, A, he's a con man. He's never produced a product or service anyone has ever needed. And he is peddling a very old story. I gave you the history of socialism in America in the last hour, going back to the utopian communities in the early 19th century, all the way through Eugene V. Debs, Norman Thomas, Michael Harrington, and how the the Democratic Socialists of America supported Obama in 08, and how they're supporting this Cretan right now. Joining us to put this in context is a great guy, friend of mine, Alex Marlowe, who is, by the way, editor-in-chief at Breitbart, and uh, he joins us right now on The Savage Nation. Alex, what do you think about this victory of this communist socialist, Bernie Sanders, last night in, in New Hampshire? Dr. Savage, first of all, it's great to be on the show with you. It's the first time I think I've ever been your guest, and I really appreciate you uh, saying so many nice things about Breitbart over the years and promoting our, our content. Oh, no, it's a great site. I love Breitbart. Thank you. It means the world to us because we all respect you very much. And you touched on something that I feel like you and I are the only people out there who are saying this, which is he's not authentic. Everyone keeps telling me how authentic Bernie Sanders is. <laughs> Socialist with three homes, and he's got patents on all his books. And then his campaigns buy his books to the tune of half a million dollars at a time. Like he is the least. Wait, 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 wait. He's funneling some of his campaign funds into buying his own books? Yes, he buys it. He buys I, I thought only talk show hosts were doing that. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's a bunch of talk show hosts who pretend that they're great geniuses who do that with their fr- front foundations. But I didn't know Sanders was working like a talk show host. Oh, that's exactly what he does constantly. And he's got patents on it. And, of course, uh, Dr. Savage, you know, you could always give a gift to the United States Treasury and pay the tax rate. He wants all. Well, what do you mean? You get a patent on a book? I have a copyright. How does, how does a patent help him as opposed to a patent? Uh, that, that, that's what I'm, He's got a copyright on the book. So okay, right. He's not so, yes, yeah, so he receives all the royalties from the book. Of course. Her, for him and his pig wife, I understand. Yeah. Him and, the, him and the pig wife who busted out a college up in Vermont, like mafioso. Well, that's right, and that's what he's doing with his entire family. And know that one of the big things that Sanders does is he started all of these sort of nonprofit things, and then they always end up shuttering, and he always puts a family member in charge. He's done this over and over throughout the years, but he's gotten incredibly wealthy. Uh, because of this thing called media buying, which is one of the... I know. So he and his pig wife are running it like like a mafia uh, bust-out game. That's the way I see it. And it's been not adequately uh, investigated. I don't think the media has fully vetted Bernie. And in, in, in even people... Well, well, we know why they don't. I mean, when you got lightweights like Jake Tapper and Wolf Blitzer sitting there, they were dumbfounded by what they had created, that this Frankenstein actually had such a victory. They looked terrified by it because I think even their bosses who have been playing the game of socialism all these years and playing the game that they hate Trump were shocked last night at what could happen from the Frankenstein they created last night. That's what I saw. Yeah, that's precisely correct. And now the, there is total panic. And I always like to check out the New York Times, not because of to get information, just to get a sense of where the left mind is at. And I think now that they think the savior uh, could be Bloomberg for them, which, again, he's another guy who has not been, I think, vetted publicly. But uh, you're right about to warn about Sanders and socialism. And the, the thing is that he's got some people convinced he's the genuine article when he's absolutely uh, n- not even close to that. Well, right. He he has run with communism under the guise of democratic socialism, and it's worked for him. He went from being an obscure slacker in the Upper West Side of Manhattan uh, who never held a job. According to his friends at the time, he lived like a leech in people's houses and apartments. He moved to Vermont during the hippie era, and he conned his way into being mayor of uh, Burlington, which is a college town, isn't it? Burlington, Vermont? Yes. Yeah. And the very same rhetoric he used in Burlington, Vermont, launched him into the U.S. Senate. And this once pristine state of Vermont became a cesspool of left-wing fanaticism 
And now he is threatening to tear down America. Uh, frankly, we both know he can't win. I, look, yesterday's podcast, Alex, uh, was mine. My title was that Bernie will not cross the finish line. Now, that has a sort of ominous undertone to it, which is that if he, God forbid, should win the nomination, which is almost impossible, given the way the Democrat Party works, and they don't want him to win. But if he should somehow wrest the nomination from the Democrats, do you actually think they're going to let him become president? I, I think that the jury is out on this. And this is why I've never seen so much talk from the establishment left-wing media sources that I have to follow for work. I've never seen so much brokered convention talk in my life. And this is the reason why. Because even a lot of the Democratic establishment, even though a lot of them flirt with communism and, and socialism, uh, they don't like the extreme rhetoric that Sanders uses. And you saw this two days ago. He flat out said, we want to fundamentally transform the United States of America. Right, and he's always attacking the white man. Why does Sanders have such a hatred for the white man? That is a, I have no clue. And this is a cross the board thing in the Democratic Party. And it seems like. Well, right. Well, occasional Cortex and her girlfriends are all stonehearted minority racists. Everybody knows that. And no one will say a word about them. These are classic racists. That's all they do is sell racism. So Sanders taught them this, though, because it works. Apparently, peddling racism works uh, for, for these people and it works for, for Sanders. But again, I, I don't want to get too diabolical in my in my commentary about Sanders. I do not believe they'll let him win. They will never let him win because the Democrats who run that party are billionaires and they're not going to let a communist take over that the, the party. But can you explain what a brokered convention is for the savage audience, please, Alex Marlowe of Breitbart? Sure. And I don't have all the mechanics at my fingertips, but I do know that if they don't hit a certain threshold of delegate support, and a lot of these delegates, it's sort of like a electoral college type system when it comes to nominating a candidate. And the party does the nominating. And a lot of these delegates are freelance. They can kind of end up voting the way they want. And a lot of them are assigned based off of the vote electorally. But ultimately, these candidates will cast a vote at the DNC, which will take place over the summer. And if they don't get a certain threshold, then what ends up happening is there's a negotiation that takes place. And you could nominate someone who potentially did not earn the most votes or even the most assigned delegates. And so this is where a lot of people are fantasizing about maybe a Hillary Clinton coming in or someone who hasn't run at all, or perhaps a candidate that's seen as more of a moderate uh, versus uh, Senator Sanders. Who do you think in reality will get the Democrat nomination and run against Trump? At this time, if you were a betting man, Alex and, and, and such, who would you bet on? It's hard to say because I would have said Biden up until the impeachment got out of hand for him, which really hurt the Biden family more than it even hurt the Trump. Family. Oh, so even though Jake Tapper, Wolf Blitzer and the other clowns wouldn't talk about Hunter Biden's Ukraine scandal, the American people got the message about 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 the Biden family. But this has been the big secret that you've known for your whole life in talk radio, that there's so many people getting their news from talk radio and from the Internet and places where Jake Tapper and Wolf Blitzer are not influential. And there's a very small audience that's listening to CNN and getting their opinion from CNN. Uh, but by the way, I have to go back and note, uh, Dr. Savage, I loved your comment about how Sanders is obsessed with racism. The only other guy who's more obsessed with it in the Democratic side is Tom Steyer. So the two whitest guys there are the ones who are most concerned about racism, yet neither one of them will step aside for a minority to be the candidate. Steyer is a stonehot phony. Uh, he, he also went to some polling place uh, who told him that push polls show that if you spread the lie that white people are racist, it'll help you in the campaign. It didn't work for Steyer, but it definitely seems to be working for Sanders, isn't it? Yeah, it's working to some degree. And just to finish answering your question, I think technically now, if you're betting, Sanders is still the favorite. But he's not, I think, overwhelmingly a favorite. I think it's very much much in flux and i'm not trying to shy away from making a prediction here no no i i don't want to put you on the spot yeah yeah uh, i don't i don't think the democratic party would let sanders in a million years win the the whole thing never they're not going to let him win it well 
could be correct, and I'll tell you, my sources are telling me they're deeply, deeply concerned. And they're well. How much further do we have to go, Alex? Than Barack Obama two weeks ago coming out, sounding off the alarm bells about the far left movement of the Democrat Party. He's a billionaire now, Obama. All of a sudden, he's worried about the socialists taking over and taking back some of the money he uh, he garnered. Yeah, I, I don't know what his motivation is uh, there as well. <laughs> it's very simple. When it, when it suited him, he used socialism to peddle, uh, to get him where he was. And now that he's a billionaire, he's suddenly not a socialist anymore. But the same is true about the whole Democrat establishment. Look at Steyer. Steyer made his fortune. He's a very wealthy man. He really wants higher taxes and socialism like hell he does. Of course not. And the people who could deliver this election for the Democrats are the people in Silicon Valley. If they change the algorithms in Facebook and Google, et cetera, that's the best ticket for a Democrat to get in. And you think those people want socialism? Of course they don't. They're all on the left, but they're not, they're not in the Sanders wing, or at least the way Sanders speaks. Please, none of them are on the left. They're all con men. They're very successful con men who don't pay their fair share of taxes. Why would they want to elect someone whose whole campaign is about paying, paying the fair share of taxes? You think they want Google wants to be broken up by this communist bum? I don't think so. No, I, absolutely not. I mean, so this is why I do think they're going to do everything they can to stop him. It's already happening. And it'll be- so who, who's number two then? Who, who, who Buttigieg, whatever his name? He's going to run. Howdy doody he's going to run against Trump. Yeah, I don't think so. I can't picture it. And a lot of this is just, you know, my opinion. It's like a child, a, a child with strings on his back running against a, 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 a man. If I were to see Buttigieg on the same stage as Trump during an actual debate, I would see like a marionette, like a howdy doody with, with, with strings on him versus a real human being. He can't win. He's another construct and a fake. And here's another one, uh, Dr. Savage, that you've been at the cutting edge of, is you've understood the ideological backbone behind Trump. He's not just someone who's a rabble-rouser in the media, but he's really talking about, you know... Thank you. He ran on principles, borders, language, culture. I was told that by Steve Bannon, who I met after the election. I had never met Steve before. He said, Dr. Savage, we all know that it was your books and sound bites from your shows that we put together to help him win the campaign. We all thank you. The, the president knows that. The man ran on something. He didn't run on just the hatred of the left right now. I don't think they have a ghost of a chance, frankly. The, 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 this is why the media has really underestimated the Trump base, because we like Trump not just because he throws bombs at the media, which we all like to some degree or another, some less than others, but it is that America first nationalism is grounded in principle. Now, I think people are figuring out Buttigieg is getting up there and talking. I don't think he knows what he's saying. And there's all these viral clips online of him droning on and on, but he has no substance to him. And I think this is going to play very bad as time goes on. So uh, I think maybe maybe the dark horse right now, the sleeper, is Klobuchar, but we'll have to see. I, 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 it's hard to picture that. All right, so she's a moderate, non-socialist Democrat. She, amongst all of them, has a chance to get up there and run. That's true, a moderate uh, she's a senator with a record. You could look into it. She's not a flaming radical. You could look into that. That that could be. Maybe the party would let her get to the finish line, and maybe she'd be a fun candidate to run against Trump. Who knows what the future will bring? I want to thank you for your great work. By the way, when were you made the editor-in-chief? You worked your way up. I didn't know that. It's good that I know you. I, I was the first employee of Breitbart. I've been editor-in-chief for about five years now, but I did start at the very bottom. So I'm a great success story of coming. See, only in America could you start as, as Billy Batson Newsboy and wind up editor-in-chief. Yes, and we just keep growing and growing. We're the number 48 biggest website in the United States, according to Alexa.com. And that's all, I know we have a lot of crossover in our audience, so thank you, those of you reading No, no, I read it every day. Breitbart.com, great place. Alex Marlow, thanks for being with us to talk about the Bolshevik bum Bernie Sanders on the Savage Nation. I'll be back in a minute. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Can you imagine Bernie on Air Force One? I wonder what kind of food he would serve on the airplane. Tuna fish, tuna stains, would he, would he ban meat? He certainly would fly in it, even though it's against global warming's protocols. I don't know what he'd fly on. What would he serve on Air Force One? Well, in the concluding minutes of the Savage Nation, let's go to michaelsavage.com, home of borders, language, and culture. Top story, impeachment 2.0. There they are again. 
Two of the sad sack losers are bringing new charges against Trump. Nadler and Schiff, who should be imprisoned, by the way, for what they are doing. I would, I would imprison them if I had the power, put them in jail. This is not democracy anymore. This is not democracy. It's not hypocrisy. These are two criminals. Nadler and Schiff should be put in prison. I could make up charges that would stick, I can guarantee you. But I'm only a talk show host. Underneath it is yesterday's podcast, Savage Predicts Bernie Never Makes It Over the Finish Line. Maybe I have seen too many gangster movies. Maybe I have watched the Zagruder tape. Is it the Zagruder tape from Texas too many? Zagruder? Maybe I've watched the Texas uh, uh, thing too many times. I don't. Maybe I watched The Irishman one too many times. Here's another story. Brides tie the knot in Northern Ireland's first same-sex marriage. Isn't that charming? A once moral Catholic nation has now become Hollywood. Brides tie the knot in Northern Ireland's first same-sex marriage. Isn't that wonderful to see the church destroyed after years of liberalism? I can't imagine what the IRA must be thinking, unless I don't even know what the new IRA is like. I pray to God that it's the same as the old IRA. But in either case, I can't understand how this happened in this once Catholic nation. Also on my website, CDC prepares for the coronavirus to take a foothold in the U.S. Now, why would the CDC preparing be preparing for the coronavirus to take a hold in the U.S.? Because they're bringing it in. They don't follow the protocols of epidemiology. They never should have brought patients here to treat them. They should have built hospitals there and treat them there. But no, they want the disease here. Because why? Because they're bureaucrats and it will make them more powerful. Now you know the rest of the story. More on michaelsavage.com. Thanks for listening. And be sure to catch the show and replay on my podcast in exactly one hour. The Westwood One Podcast Network. 